Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we're talking about the 1982 film Blade Runner by Ridley Scott and a little bit about Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. So this documentary takes place in 2019. Um, so I'm looking forward to the flying cars, but I'm not looking forward to going back to payphones. Yes. <laughs> and it's going to be a really trashy place because um, there will be, apparently, like, garbage disposal will be retired. So Yeah. Just have it's to... kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And we should probably learn a bunch of different languages in order to be able to talk city speak, so yeah, good plan. We got to we got to get on that in the next few years. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the setting of the film Blade Runner is 2019, but actually in the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? It's 1992. Oh, for crying out loud! <laughs> <laughs> because what, wait, when the book was published at the end, like the late yeah, 60s. 68, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 92, that's totally, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it was possible. I love but... seeing, yeah, like, like past interpretations of basically the present. <laughs> so, yeah. it's kind of fun. Well, and then later, later editions of the book, um, when the, uh, because some editions of the book, it was renamed Blade Runner to go along with the film. Oh, okay. And the, the date was changed to 2021. Mm. So even after the date of the the setting of the film, so yeah, interesting. <laughs> All right, okay. so that's what we have to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> All right, and we'll also we'll also be touching on just cyberpunk in general in this episode too. So, yeah, but just a little bit. Yes, <laughs> because it's cool. A little flavor, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, before we get too far into it, let's do tasty time, where we talk about what's going on in fiction food nowadays. Tasty time. How about you? What you seen around? So this is something. Um, it's not fiction food per se, but it's food and it's pretty fun. Um, it's the go on. I don't even know what what to call them. The the um, like candy sets, like or tiny food making. <laughs> I really don't even know what to call it. Tiny food but, um, but it's a Japanese, so it kind of goes along with the theme, like the Asian food theme <laughs> that, that's like in a lot of cyberpunk. Not that they make tiny foods, but anyway, um, so it's like little... I don't even know what this these is. These little kits. I know. It's like, what is she talking about? <laughs> okay, it's these little kits, and as far as I know, they originated in Japan, because that's the first kind that I'd ever seen, though now there's like American versions. Anyway, it's like little um, powders that you like add water and sometimes like to create like little mixes, like little doughs and you can mold them into like donut shapes or things like that, but they're tiny and then you can decorate them. Um, so they're, it's, it's basically like little gastronomy, little science kits. <laughs> I guess, to make replica food, okay. but it's, like, on a small scale, and uh, often it's, like, they're pretty much, like, candy, or, you know, some kind of just weird little dessert. Yeah, I just um, googled this, and there's, like, like some yeah. article on Gawker, and there's a bunch of videos, 
And they made like little <laughs> tiny pancakes and little tiny cups oh, of well coffee. Then, Is that something different? Well, and then there's that. So I was also going to mention that. So yeah, there's tiny cooking, like <laughs> especially on YouTube. There's kawaii cooking. If you search for that, oh, okay, like, it's incredible. Yeah, it's like tiny doll, I, like utensils, that, and this person makes real food. But that's and that's an awesome like Japanese thing. And sometimes I just like watch that and I. And just, I have like, never just heard of this, forever. but I feel like I'm falling down a rabbit hole. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that's so there's that. But then also, okay, like if you look up Yummy Nummies, Yummy Nummies Mini Kitchen Magic. So that's like the American version of okay. what's, what's been in. Okay, so it's like actual like kits you can buy. So it's kind of like um, yeah, Easy Bake Oven, but... But it's, yeah, it's, like, it's a small scale, um, but then there's, like, Crazy, K-R-A-C-I-E, uh, kits from Japan, and Poppin' Cookin', uh, that might, I feel like that's maybe the most well-known that, that's from Japan. Oh, okay. You can find, like, in some American stores. Um, but anyway, but I've been doing a bunch of those with my daughter. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I bet she loves so it, much yeah. fun. Yeah, and and some of them are like if it's Japanese sets, they're like really very Japanese. Like there's a mochi with the um, soybean roasted soybean powder um, that we mentioned back in our sunken corn scandal episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, well, I saw one one um, American YouTuber that like did this kit, and she's like, "These are really weird s'mores." And it's like, ah, <laughs> silly, like. It's mochi, it's not marshmallow, and it's not graham cracker. It's uh, sweet, like... We're kind of loud. Anyway, but um, but yeah, so some of the sets are really fun, and like we got the little um, make tiny donuts, and I took pictures, but I haven't um, put them up on Instagram yet, but um, but I will soon, and anyway, yeah, so those were just do. really that fun. Yeah, please do, that sounds adorable. I want to see... <laughs> Yeah, and just something like something fun to do, like with friends, like you could do as like a little party thing, or like I just sat down and did it with my daughter one day for like, a, like we did it actually over the course of a few days because we had a few sets, and so it was just kind of a fun little creative Aww. mommy daughter time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'll I'll put a a couple links to some of those products, um, just because yeah. So anyway, so not fiction food, but. Fun food. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and, th- and then I did also want to mention, yeah, the tiny cooking, which is just, it blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, we'll put a link to that, too. <laughs> whenever okay, I see... so that's my... <laughs> like, kind of tangent, but, like, whenever I see, like, tiny yeah. stuff like that, I, do you know that um the Beatrix uh, Potter story, the two bad mice? And, yeah, Hunka Munka, the Roly Poly Pudding. Yeah, yeah, like when yes. they go into the um the doll's house, the dollhouse, and they, like yeah. <laughs> they try to eat the dinner, but it's like plastic, so they throw it <laughs> or plaster. And, yeah. yeah, reminds me of that. If only they, if only they had befriended Kawaii Cooking. I know. Then you could have real tiny food <laughs> fit for a mouse. Yeah. Well, good job bringing it into fiction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. We should tell. Wait. Are, we, should, we need to do a Beatrix Potter episode. Oh my next gosh, year. yes. Maybe next Easter we'll do that. Put it on the list. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, what's your tasty time? Well, as you may know, it is Game of Thrones season. Whoop, whoop. 
Which I'm obsessed! Sorry, I, yeah, I could barely talk about anything else. I'm like, I guess I can take a you know, couple hours to watch Blade Runner, but then it's back to Game of Thrones, okay? So, um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, you know, as you know, it's Game of Thrones season, so everybody's going nuts and cooking tons of food. So, obligatory shout-out to In at the Crossroads, which I talked about a lot, too much, because, um, you know, they have... Like, pretty much everything that was mentioned in the book, there's a recipe for it that's, like, authentic and medieval and awesome. Um, but what I wanted to mention this time is um, Geek Plate, um, Tristan Lutz, who um, posted, um, actually got commissioned by this, like, um, big news website in yeah. Australia to put together the ultimate Game of Thrones feast, and it looks amazing. Like, it's it's definitely show-based, because there's, like, foods that are only from the show. Um, but, like, all the, all the you know, big, big things that show up, like, um, hot pies, dire wolf bread, um, lemon cakes, of course. You can't have a Game of Thrones thing without lemon cakes. Um, the pigeon pie from Joffrey's wedding. Um... Mm. Yeah, like, just, like, a bunch of, like, really delicious-looking recipes. And um, he's a food photographer, too, so, like, the, the pictures are really pretty. Um, Daenerys' horse heart. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, well, I'm kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not going to make that one at home, so it's nice to, <laughs> to see. His text for that was funny, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, yeah, um, we'll, we'll post a link to all these because there's some really good recipes, and there's nine more weeks of Game of Thrones, so if you want to hop on board, here's some cool stuff you can make. I, yeah. I, I cooked my own feast last um I know, yeah, weekend. we should, I should taste the time you. Yeah. <laughs> you made that. Just to um, throw that in there. Bowl of, the bowl of brown that you made. Yeah. How do you say that? It was mal Ma- mini, I, I, I think. Mal mini? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's like tasty. a medieval curry, and I cook so many curries. I'm like, perfect. This is right up my alley. So, um, yeah, I made that. And, of course, I made lemon cakes. Oh. <sighs> Poor Sansa. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Game of Thrones. All right. And Geek Plate. Yeah. And Geek Plate, yes. <laughs> so, let's talk about Blade Runner. This is going to be a hard time for you, isn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> to not talk about Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Blade Runner right quick, and then let's talk about Game of Thrones some more. <laughs> no, just when you said Game of Thrones, and, and I could just feel that... <laughs> Like the yearning in your voice. <laughs> it's like after yeah. you finish a really good book that it's like hard to move on from it or something. Like you just keep thinking about it. Right. And everything makes you think of it. <laughs> yeah. The carry on effect. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Which I did very much enjoy, even though, you know, even though I'm back in the Middle Ages in my head, I did enjoy this um, <laughs> futuristic tale. Take a little jaunt, a yeah. little jaunt to, to the future. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I had seen, yeah, like, I guess, like, let's give our backgrounds with, like, this yeah. this genre. Um, I, I had seen this movie a long time ago, but I didn't remember it that well, and I remember liking it, but I, I liked it a lot more this time, and I think because I'm so much more familiar with, like, noir tropes, so yeah, it was really yeah. fun, like, picking those out. Like, I, I really liked the, um, the feel of it, um, and, yeah, those, those tropes that popped up were pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Those tropes. <laughs> it was kind of, like yeah. I watched it when I was younger too, um, and I could remember like 
images from it, like the street scenes and I remembered um, um, scenes with Rutger Hauer at the end. I remembered like what's her name? Um, Pris the robot, like yeah, totally. cartwheeling all over the place. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, this time around, it's like the themes. <laughs> it was like rain, booze, and cigarettes. Like, oh my god! The, yeah, and that's very much the noir. But it was kind of like too overbearing for me, like for my taste. Oh okay. Um, but I mean, like I appreciate that. But I love. See, like, I'm Cyberpunk into that. Stuff. No, I liked it. I like. Yeah, the, no, I know. I like the dark, gritty. Carrie's loving this. Yeah, I like the dark detective story. I liked the femme fatale. Yeah. Smoke and booze. I did make a note. I'm like, it's 2019. Nobody smokes anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. this is like the most unrealistic part of this <laughs> movie. Sorry, I was just looking up. Um, so, like, Pris, you mentioned Pris. Yeah. yeah. So, that was Daryl Hannah. And then later on, there was a show called VR5. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't. I don't. I didn't last very long. I don't know if it was just one season. Yeah, I haven't or even heard of that. Um, but I like. But I liked it. Like I watched it and stuff. And that was Daryl Hannah in that too. So another cyberpunk. Oh, okay. That's a good tie-in. <laughs> yeah, that was just a little tidbit. Yeah. But yeah. So the. So but yeah. And so I watched. Um, because I have like the collectors or whatever. Um, set for Blade Runner. Uh-huh. So I watched the director's cut. And then I went back and uh, watched some of the the final cut. I think so. I didn't actually watch the theatrical cut this time around. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I didn't realize there were so many different versions. I also watched the yeah. final cut, and then I was reading like about it afterwards, and it, I didn't know until after I had seen it that there were all these different versions. Because I think some of maybe the theatrical mm. ones have like voiceover too. Um, yeah. Which this one did not, so... Did not, yeah. And I think that's also, like, kind of a noir thing. Like, mm-hmm. there I was. Yeah, blah, very blah, much. Yes. <laughs> why, is, why does that instantly make me think of Sesame Street? <laughs> <laughs> because they have skits on Sesame Street that it's, like, the private eye or whatever. That's right! Oh! <laughs> no, oh, no, now I'm, like, picturing the... Like, listen, hearing the music and stuff like that. Speaking of music, though... Is that Sher- so part of Sherlock history, Hemlock? Or is that something different? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's possible. Um, so well, Evangelis. That, that was a deep cut. Okay. <laughs> I know. That's just, deep cut. Right. I'm trying to get sure. it out of my head right now. Not, not time for Sesame Street. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was when the letter I was like the featured letter. Oh, that's the, that's the one skit that's coming in. And she's like, I, I. And he just wasn't getting it. And it's like, I. <laughs> She was like the the dame that walked into. Oh, anyway, oh. okay. So, the, but the music in Blade Runner <laughs> is done by Vangelis. Okay, I guess that, I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but like very memorable. Um, so when I was little, so anyway, watching this film again made me remember, like jogged my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, I don't know, elementary school or something. So um, my uncle he had a cassette tape of Vangelis, like the best of or something oh, okay. like that, that that he gave me and so okay so was it like a bunch of movie of scores it was i don't know if all of them were from movies but a lot of i think a lot of them were and there was some blade runner music on it um but Vangelis has that has a very distinct sound um which you know listening to 
or watching Blade Runner it reminded me of, and so now I'm like, I need to find some on iTunes. Yeah. And download it. But yeah, so that was actually kind of like made its way in part of my childhood. Like I totally, I just listened to it so much and I would like daydream stories to the music and like I did that a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like imagine, imagine stories. When I, I can see little Diana doing that. <laughs> yeah, I would like zone in. <laughs> Detach from the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Vangelis. So, I, yeah, I thought the music was really cool. And um, so, like, cyberpunk-wise, so I've been thinking about, like, what other shows and, and books and all um, that I've experienced have been, that can fit in that genre, yeah. that subgenre. Okay, so, yeah, let's um, let's give an overview, too, like, for those who aren't familiar, yeah. like, what is cyberpunk? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> so, it's it's a subgenre of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's typically like in a future setting, um, and in this like I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. But yeah, they, same. <laughs> they have the they have a quote. It's high tech, low life. So like there's pretty much like rampant technology or like this um, high technology in some way, but the lifestyle of the people is right. Kind of, it's kind of regressing. Exactly. As, yeah. So society's yeah, can, kind of you know very much see that in Blade Runner ground down yeah so even though there's all this like great tech like life in general is not fantastic and then yeah and also like it it does mention like a lot of um noir tropes yeah exactly so a lot of noir and and the theme also of like what does it mean to be human kind of I feel like kind of permeates in that or like because it's your experience because the humans are kind of caught caught up in this technology and so I think that in itself lends to like what does it mean to be human or what does it mean to be alive yeah and this you know and and quality of life and things like that yeah and this movie was definitely like that was the central theme Mm -hmm. yeah it's very much yeah so I was so other shows or another show recently um is Almost Human which very much is about that theme of you know I mean the title as the title suggests (laughs) almost human you know deals with androids and Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence and that kind of thing um but the music and that some of the music reminded me of evangelies like the music in blade runner and so and and that show i feel very much was like had little like love notes to blade runner Uh (laughs) and and so which is nice um you know down to like the noodles yeah like yeah i read i read that article you sent about the noodles music yeah and and the the theme of you know androids and artificial intelligence and like what does that mean relating to humans and humanity and stuff yeah so but yeah what are some other so i thought this was cool you and i as youths unknowing of each other we like read william gibson yes books like how cool is that it is cool <laughs> Although, yeah, it was so long ago, like, I don't remember it very well. But, I, yeah, I did read Neuromancer, and I enjoyed it. Um, I think I would like it more, again, if I read it now, because I am more familiar with these, like, kind of themes and stuff. Like, I feel like I would get more out of it. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I read it, but, like, I, I wasn't, like, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, like, fall in love with it. But, uh, again, like, I saw this movie back around the same time, and, you know... A, enjoyed it but I, I liked it a lot more this time because 
I guess I just have a more of an understanding. Yeah, but what mm-hmm. about you? What was your experience with it? Well, so I think I started reading, yeah, like William Gibson when I was maybe 12 or 13. Um, I, it may or may not have coincided with the advent of anime in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a time in my life that I was like, yes, Japan. Yes. I still love Japan. No, I was like, watching a ton of anime around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, watched, so, like, the... I watched a lot of anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just the culture and imagery of Japan was, I just thought was very fascinating mm-hmm. and beautiful and, and intriguing. And, um, you know, and it's, it's that idea and that it very much works its way into cyberpunk, uh, is, you know, that Japan is, I mean, at least, I mean, being a child of the eighties, like that Japan was thought of to be the future leader of technology and even um, commerce and, and that kind of thing. Right. And so I, that's why that works yeah. as well cyberpunk. And it just fits really well. It, it really does. And it, cause, yeah, because a lot of, of works were coming out of that period of time. And so, like, um, yeah, Japan was, like, huge. Because after World War Two, you know, they lost their military, so they just poured all their um, resources mm-hmm. into just becoming amazing with technology. And so... Yeah, and being really innovative. Yeah. And, like and creative and yeah it's like really yeah, taking things and making them better <laughs> better yeah exactly yeah. and i remember as a young kid like having that thought like yeah japan just like can make things cooler like better and and just yeah just being really impressed with their creativity and and all of that and so so i i feel like you know and then, and then also images of like um like the tech areas and pop culture areas in Japan, like the shopping areas and stuff, um, like in Akihabara or Chiba and and all that. Like they very much look like <laughs> what you would imagine in like cyberpunk shows. Yeah, like, well, the, like in, in this movie, all in the part- activity and the and, and the yeah. um, product placement is just like <laughs> like yeah. just giant billboard moving billboards everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yes, so very much like that. Um, and so, yeah, so I read, yeah, like, Norman- Normancer and um, Idoru and Mona Lisa Overdrive and Virtual Light. Wow. And, you know, just a, a lot of that. And also, there was a book, I like, I don't know where it is now, but it was a book of short stories um, about Japanese futures. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm t- Trying to see what. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But, but yeah, it was all these short stories about, like that's somehow connected with Japan, but about like futures that possible futures or I mean it's totally sci-fi and cyberpunk and stuff. But um, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, and then, yeah, and then TV shows and things, you know, so, like, VR5, which was, like, yeah, again, a really short-lived show, and then one of my favorite movies is um, The Fifth Element, that came out in, what, 98? Yeah, thereabouts. And, oh, oh my gosh, I love, see, I love that, because, I mean, that's science fiction, but it had cyberpunk elements to mm-hmm. it, um, and... 
I like and it's very bright and colorful. So like I like that a lot. <laughs> more so than like the rainy. Yeah, and, everybody's depressed. Shades and of stuff. gray. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there's a scene in that that has like the noodle. It's like a tribute to Blade Runner. It has, it's, but it's a floating noodle stand, like noodle. <laughs> but then the main character, the main character, Corbin Dallas or Bruce Willis, like he goes up and gets his noodles from, and gets some advice or whatever. It nice. Is. But yeah, so, but, but it's cool to see that, you know, Blade Runner coming out in 82, like it very much set like a precedent or like set the theme and style Mm -hmm. for a lot of other shows. Um, And so when you see those elements in other shows, it's kind of uh, like a nice nod to, to Blade Runner. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So... Blade Runner. The plot of this movie is, um, and you'll have to, like, I haven't read the novel, so you'll have to, to kind of fill in for us, like, how similar, or, you know, what the differences are. It's, like, loosely adapted from Yeah, because, like, I, I can see, yeah, like, even just watching it, I'm like, I bet it wasn't written like this, but anyway. So, it takes place in, you know, uh, 2019 Los Angeles. Um, and it is kind of, like, kind of a dark dystopian version, you know, that, uh, you know, like we were just saying, there's, like, lots of technology, but, um, life seems kind of dark and gritty, and they, they have created these, um, like, robotic type people called replicants, but they're not supposed to be on Earth, like, they send them off to colonies to do work and stuff, um, but there's a corporation that's making them anyway, and I think, like, for, like, what a Blade Runner is, is, um, the people that kind of hunt them down and kill them, basically. So Harrison Ford is a um, is a Blade Runner, and so there's these four replicants that have kind of gotten loose, and so he is off to hunt them down. And yes. that's the basic setup for this movie. And so for the book, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Um, it's very uh, I don't know what the smart words are to describe it, but like. <laughs> um, like, it's supposed to make you, like, think about humanity and, like, your, I don't know, what it, religious, like, it has religious tones and, like, philosophical and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, it's, I swear, like, every time, every time I sat down to read it, like, within minutes, I would become so sleepy <laughs> like and today i was trying to read some more of it and i i really i just like keeled over and fell asleep oh so if you I suffer, was on the couch you suffer from like, insomnia then <laughs> yeah so like it's really boring <laughs> it's really boring <laughs> to me i mean because it's very yeah you messaged me a couple days ago and you're like ah i can't do it yeah like it's very artsy or i don't know what to say like what words are but it's very, like it's supposed to be like a thinking okay <laughs> maybe very that means that philosophically I'm dumb dense. or something yeah like, yeah i didn't even <laughs> attempt it I, I was like i don't have time i'm just gonna watch the movie um yeah so like i know i can see totally why blade runner the film is like only loosely based yeah on the so yeah so the so anyway rick deckard um who harrison ford plays in the film but in the book rick deckard he's married and like the first scene is like him and his wife talking about like they they live in a society where everybody has this 
basically like emotion manipulator device mm-hmm. and they can set it to like feeling chipper or like <laughs> feeling depressed or whatever like it's and like everybody hooks up to something where they can have this like collective religious experience basically like there's this guy named Mercer who's like always walking up a, a mountain and like getting rocks thrown at him I don't know like it's <laughs> very yeah it's like wait what is it and then the whole, so the title, yeah, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? It's because, okay, so World War Terminus happened. It doesn't even get a number. It's so extreme. Okay. World War Terminus. The war to end all wars. Yeah. And so basically it devastated the earth with, like, radioactive dust and, like, so a lot of the animals. So is that species, why it's, like, dark constantly? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um... Yeah, and so a lot of people, that's why a lot of people have moved off-world. Ah. And so there's really a small population left on the planet Earth. Um, and some people aren't able to leave Earth because they've been so affected by uh, the fallout that their their genetics have changed. Like, they're just, they're called specials or whatever. Like, they're not allowed to leave Earth. And then some people stay on Earth because of jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so, but the anim- the whole animal thing is that pretty much all animals are endangered, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have become extinct, and so it's like this big deal to take care of an animal, like a live animal, um, but a lot of people can't afford a, a real animal, and so they will have synthetic animals, and it's the idea of just... Having something to take care of, oh, okay, or like help 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 you, um, and so yeah, and so the main character Rick Deckard, he ha- was given a sheep by a relative, and then the sheep like he didn't k- take care of it properly because he like I don't know the sheep ended up eating a little piece of wire and died of tetanus, and so he got an electric sheep, and then that like he always had to take in to get fixed and stuff like that. Anyway, so then, but yeah, he's supposed to retu- re retire or kill um, these escaped androids uh, and you know he starts to wonder well he doesn't wonder too much I guess but <laughs> like yeah do androids dream of electric sheep <laughs> that's interesting I but didn't uh, know there was actually yeah. an animal like that kind of reminds me of like I've, I've read something about like you know those little like mechanical dogs um that are, like, I mean, they look like little mechanical dogs. They don't look real, but, like, they they act pretty real. I mean, I don't know, more so than a toy, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, like, th- there was some kind of study that, like, they were actually beneficial to people who, um, like, kind of took care of them as a pet. It had kind of the, mm-hmm. the same effects as having, like, a real pet, but they couldn't have one because either they either they couldn't afford it or they were allergic or something like that but it it gave the same type of like kind of psychological benefit so that's that's interesting that even even a you know mechanical animal would kind of have that that effect yeah and also um yeah because it's talking about like i guess the bonds that are created or the connection that you create when you take care of something or yeah yeah um and it is interesting too um while I was reading it, just the title, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? So, like, dream in our vocabulary has two meanings. It's, like, to actually dream, like, when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you think, oh, like, dream and sheep, like, you're thinking of yeah, counting, counting sheep, sheep or something. Yeah. But, um, 
but also dream. I think more so in the in the theme of the book is to aspire yeah, or want hope for something. Yeah. Yeah. So do androids want electric sheep? Like because they have such a short lifespan and but it's like are they basically it's like what is their humanity or do they have any humanity? Are they would you consider killing them murder? Would you... Yeah, like... Right. Because all the humans totally dream of having, well, real sheep. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Or even, you know, if they can't get a real one, then having a, you know, the pretense of one, which would be an electric animal, so... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So it's interesting. Yeah, so the... So the... And... Um, so there are three other books, like, official books... But they weren't written by Philip K. Dick, but like they are, but they're still official sequels, um, and they were published after the movie to kind of tie in the book, the movie to the film, because they're so different, and so it was to kind of like fill that gap. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, and so it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like I read their um, summaries on online and. Yeah. But it's interesting because there is going to be a Blade Runner sequel film coming out next year or the year after. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think I've heard yeah. rumblings. So I'm, I'm assuming that they're... Kind of going down that path. Gonna take, the... Yeah, may, maybe take some subject matter at least from... Or I mean a little bit at least from the books, the subsequent oh, books. okay. So, yeah... Well, well one of the big <laughs> themes of this movie that, like, well, going into it, I knew it was about robots. So, um, you know, just like we were just talking about, like, I thought the main themes would be, like, about humanity. Like, you know, are, you know, are they really thinking, feeling, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it was, it was about that, but I feel like it was even more about, like, mortality. Um, uh-huh. because, you know, the... They have, like, a lifespan. I think they set it to, like, only four years, so they'll kind of self-destruct after this time. And that's the whole reason, like, those um, four robots who would come back to Earth were, like, you know, desperate to find some way to live longer. Um, uh-huh. But also, like, there's the, um, the what is it, the some kind of, like, genetic engineer or whatever, um, the guy that made them. Oh, Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian. Yeah, yeah, Sebastian. Um, He, yeah, yeah, he has some kind of like he's very young. He said he's only like twenty five or something like that. But he has some kind of disease that rapidly ages him, Um, like Methuselah. Yeah, Methuselah's disease or something like that. Yeah. So even though he is human, like his lifespan is shortened, and he's kind of like rushing towards death. And then, um, then there's people like, um, what's his name, Rick. Deckard, is that, um... Yeah, Deckard. Yeah, so he, like, he's alive, but he's living kind of a bleak existence, you know? <laughs> like, he lives yeah. in this dank little apartment with no one to keep him company except for, like, his million liquor bottles. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so, like, is is that really a life or whatever? So I think, I think it, it touched a lot on, you know, what life means to people and that we're all basically just kind of hurtling towards death. <laughs> yeah, well, especially, like, the end scenes with Rutger Hauer's uh, baddie character. Yeah. Like, when he's up on the roof. Right. At the very, like, right before his timer runs out. Um, yeah, and he... And the things he says. Gives a nice little yeah. speech. 
Yeah, and that reminds me of um, like the second episode of Almost Human, uh, where the main character android, um, Dorian, he is talking to another android who is about to be decommissioned, like turned off uh, permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, he he says, "I will remember you," because he realizes like that's the that's what people want is to be remembered. It didn't see now I can't remember now I want to like rewatch the Rutger Hauer scene again. But like, isn't that what he was saying was about like like yeah, what does it mean to be alive and what does it mean to die and like what's the scariest thing about death like not being remembered mm. and or having you know, mattered or... T- like, I can't remember what he said. Yeah, I don't remember anyway. exactly what he said either. But that makes sense, because yeah. then there's, um... Rachel, the robot, who originally, like, thought she was a human. And this is yeah. based on having, like, such vivid memories, because she was implanted with memories. And so, um, mm-hmm. I mean, what's the difference between, you know, memories, if they happened or not? It's not like you have these things now, so it's all perception mm-hmm. so yeah exactly yeah. yeah and that and that did factor into the book as well mm-hmm. um and there is you know always that mystery of like who is a replicant and who is human and um yeah and and of course and that was an interesting thing like or maybe not interesting maybe it was just kind of like uh okay well part of the the noir trope maybe <laughs> or, i don't know but it's that according to ridley scott like deckard a spoiler, I guess, but not really. Um, De- that Deckard is a replicant. Oh, really? Yeah, but Harrison Ford says no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the book, he's not. Okay. Um, well, where did he get that from? I didn't get that at all. So, yeah. Well, I mean, he said it. Um, right. Ridley Scott's just, like, point blank says mm-hmm. it, but in interviews and stuff. But also... Um, so, like, the director's cut and the final cut, um, they put the unicorn scene back in. So, originally, that was in, and it was filmed, but the, um, uh, what do you call Oh, my gosh, I can't think of the word. The film people, the studio, there we go. <laughs> the studio people said, no, it makes it too arty, or whatever, like, it makes it too weird and stuff and so they cut it so in what was released in the theaters did not have that but okay so but it originally Deckard like has this vision or a dream or whatever of a unicorn like so random Mm -hmm. and at the end of the film when he's leaving with Rachel um, to like go run away yeah he finds a little origami the little yeah sorry I had to take a sip of water. <laughs> um, yeah he finds a little origami unicorn left by Gaff the um, Edward James James Almer's mm-hmm. um, character and so that is supposed to tell us <laughs> the viewers that like just as Deckard was able to know the memories of Rachel. Because she was a replicant, and those images, her memories were implanted in her. Oh, he was. Gaff, he was able to Gaff know what he knew was. That Deckard, yeah, was having dreams or whatever about unicorns. Ah, gotcha. So there's, so that's why Ridley Scott put it in. But but then of course, but viewer wise, 
like there for years and years you know there's been a lot of speculation and theories about it you know the symbolism and and things like that Mm -hmm. um but according to ridley scott yeah deckard is uh, a replicant but in the book he's not (laughs) (laughs) he's just a like a ho-hum dude gotcha (laughs) having issues he doesn't really act like one in because like every everyone who everyone acts like a little bit off you know if they're a robot like very Mm -hmm. human-like but um a little bit like a little bit like deadpan or like they're not picking up on social cues kind of Mm -hmm. yeah well that's the thing in the book when they do the the void comp tests Mm -hmm. um is yeah and they mention it it's like they'll they have a reaction but it's like just a little bit later or like a little bit um Oh my gosh! Yeah, later. What's the, I can't even think of the word. Oh my delayed. god! Delayed. Delayed. I was like, uh, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, delayed. Um, and and that's really interesting though. The Voigt Kampf test. It's like a lot of it had to do with animals and the hurting of animals. Um, yeah. So it's supposed to register for like emotional responses and, and right. things like that um yeah and there were some yeah i'm like Ew, yeah it's more of a psychopath test <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah but i think ridley scott just did that like just to be like twist yeah <laughs> you know like just to throw it in there to be all like play with our minds yeah i don't know but it but it's just not it's not okay well i don't mind it (laughs) i don't think it was necessary yeah so so that unicorn we'll see that unicorn was like the top spinning in um inception (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) just a little thing at the end yeah and some theories was that you know the i mean if you just watched the theatrical version so the version without the dream unicorn dream and it was just a an origami unicorn at the end. The theory is like, oh, because you know, um, Gaff was just telling him like basically it's wishful thinking that you can, you know, escape right with with Rachel or you know your life. It's gonna like she's gonna. It's just a dream life because she's still gonna expire in a couple of years or you know. So there are different theories. Yeah, because yeah. he does say, "What's that quote?" Um, the symbolism. It's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? So, yeah. I liked that because, I mean, yeah, like, it's very literally, like, she's going to die soon because she's a robot and she has a, like, a timestamp, basically. But, you know, yeah. we're all gonna... There is a work around that, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we're all gonna die, you know? So, I don't know. Could, no, could but be I mean, today, really, could be like... tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so. it's true. Um, but in the, in the, the following books, actually in the last book, we learned that we learn why Batty squished. Oh, that, that death scene, oh. <laughs> that murder scene was like so gross. Yeah, he like, overrunned him. Squished the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Why he squished the eyes? So it was never that he that he wanted because they know that there's no way to fix their longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really like he just wanted to kill Tyrell, but he wanted to kill him in a specific way, which was squishing the eyes. Because in the third book, we learn that Tyrell was a replicant 
that had been extending his life mm. by just putting putting himself his consciousness or his you just know kind of resetting <laughs> CPU or whatever in a new body. Gotcha. But you have but the eyes are part of that. Like the eyes are the window to the soul kind of thing. Mm. Anyway, but like the eyes it's the eyes and I guess some other stuff that are taken out of that old body and put in a new body. Okay. So that's why Batty squished his eyes. <laughs> So Rachel could have, <laughs> if she kept kept having access to new bodies, like she could have still <laughs> kept living. Yeah. But so we'll see. Yeah, maybe it'll work out for these crazy kids. <laughs> maybe in the next. Yeah. So I, so I wonder. Yeah, but the the director for Blade Runner two film, like he's also being very vague about whether Rick Deckard is. He says he's, like, going to take care of that. But it kind of feels like, in the interviews, that he means take care of uh, Ridley Scott's <laughs> vagueness. Right. Like, not not give us an answer, but, like, <laughs> continue that. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah, it'll be interesting because, the yeah, the books, the books definitely, add, like, fill in a lot of gaps and, and all that. Yeah. So, shall we talk about the food? Let's talk we about... kind of touched, touched on a couple yeah, of things. Yeah, we sure but... did. So, yeah, let's jump into food. Um, should we start with the noodles? Since we well, already mentioned something that. even before... Yeah, there's something that we kind of mentioned before that. Um, the Japanese lady on the big screen. Oh, that's right. She was, like, popping an orange pill in her mouth. I mean, we don't know what that was. And there was a bunch of Coca-Cola. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know what she was eating. Oh, yeah, and I want to just mention right quick, like, this is one of those, like, annoying Hollywood things where they, like, put an Asian backdrop and then, like, all the main characters are white. (sighs) (laughs) Or else very inconsequential, you know, so it's pretty annoying. Um, Maybe it's forgivable in 1982, but they're still doing this kind of stuff nowadays, so just bleh. Anyway, boo on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and then talking about other, like, cyberpunk, um, so, like, Akira and Ghost in the Shell, these are all anime and manga, like, Akira, Ghost in the Shell, um, Battle Angel Alita, like, those, well, Akira has been, like, on the back burner for a long time in Hollywood, but, like, it's, that's been, like, in the works forever to be made into a film, and then... But Ghost in the Shell is being made into a film officially with... Um, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. And then... Um, what was the other one? Oh, Battle Angel Alita is, is officially, like, happening. Um, like, they're looking for casting right now. But, like, those are... Yeah, but it's all going to be, like, white people. Yeah, it's so irritating. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. So, like, Ghost in the Shell has has definitely been in the, the news lately because of that, like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but especially I like if you're. Saying, I like ScarJo, but hello. Yeah, we need Rinko. Um, yeah, <laughs> but especially like in Blade Runner because the idea is that it's, it's this. It's based on the futurists, uh, idea that, yeah, that Asian nationalities will be more predominant in the world. Um. And so, it just makes sense. Like, if that's the case, Yeah, shouldn't then... there be some, like, Asian <laughs> characters? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 
But no, well, at least we get some Asian street food. <laughs> so I know. So yeah, back to that. Yeah, let's talk about them noodles. Yeah, the noodles. So there's a street stall, and um, I didn't catch the name of it in the movie, but then I read in one of the articles it's called the White yeah, Dragon. The White Dragon. Um, yeah, and and Harrison Ford goes and gets some noodles, and um, then he takes them into the little flying car with him, which I got a kick out of. I know. <laughs> he's like, cute. he's like, yes, I'll come with you, but I'm not done eating. So he <laughs> takes his bowl with him. Yeah. Um, so so several things about that. Um, so in one version of the film, it may be the theatrical version, um, but, which I didn't watch this time around, but there was a noodle bar clip on YouTube, and they show, uh, they actually show the bowl that the vendor puts in front of Harrison Ford, uh-huh. yeah, and it's like white noodles, and then it's like a salad with like little carrots cut into flowers. Oh, okay. And and then like two See, I just saw the noodles and they looked pretty crustaceans. Pretty plain. Yeah. So like so like it's it's a bowl. It's like a wooden bowl. But so it's totally not yeah, it's like, wait, did somebody just cut this frame in here? Like <laughs> because what he's eating in the car, yeah, makes more sense. It's like totally a to-go noodle food like um, but yeah, I should like send you this image. <laughs> um, let me see. There we go. It's coming at okay. you. Okay. There it is. Bing, bing. Um, oh, so yeah, okay. so I yeah, that it's was got interesting. Of... It's like, wait, what is that? That looks, <laughs> but it's two. That looks more like, it's two of something. That looks more like what I made for my recipe. Cause I'm like, I'm not making a bowl of oh, plain good. noodles. I made a bowl with a bunch of stuff in it. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that vendor, like, took the time to cut little carrot flowers, apparently. And they did have that whole discussion about, well, because Harrison Ford, like, so he's sitting off to the side waiting for a seat to open at the noodle bar. And then the guy says, yeah, you can come in, you know, you can come over now. And so he goes over and sits, and then he's like, he's like, four. And then the guy's like, no, two. And he's like, no, two plus two, four. <laughs> and, but we have, like, no idea what he's talking about, like, what he's pointing to. And so if we go by the screenshot, <laughs> it's like, what do you think that is? Like, two, some kind of crustacean. Yeah, right? it looks like, like, like crawdads or something. Yeah, and we assume that they're synthetic, I guess. I don't know. Cause yeah, there's not a whole lot of other, otherwise. Yeah, well. Well, in the world of the movie, maybe it's different than the world of the yeah. Book. But, but they do mention like that the owl. She's like, of course, it's synthetic. Like, right? Yeah. Duh. Like, there's so and and the void comp tests. Like, some of them were about food, or one of them especially was about food, and it's like showing that animals were very rare or whatever or you know that you don't so I mean it makes me wonder about the food yeah and um but well anyway so yeah there's there's a lot to talk (laughs) with that um so there's a translation online for that scene and and I'll we'll link to it in the show notes uh and apparently in the voiceover version, Deckard says sushi 
That's what my ex-wife called me. Cold fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so that wasn't in the version that you and I watched, the versions that we watched, but... Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but apparently, in, like, in the voiceover, that he says something like that. Oh, that's that. funny. Yeah, that actually reminds me, um, I meant to mention, um, back in Tasty Time, when I was talking about, um, Geek Plate, um, right before all these Game of Thrones recipes, there's a recipe for Blade Runner's noodles and sushi, <laughs> so... Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like a sign that I, sh- yeah, I should be doing that this week. <laughs> so cool, yeah. I know that's that's really cool. Like I hadn't noticed that before you mentioned. Yeah, that. I didn't. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't notice it until today. I was <laughs> like, oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. So yeah, there's sushi also. Yeah, um, yeah, and then and then uh, this translation says it, it kind of goes into talking about city speak which is kind of cool like it's a conglomeration of different languages um which yeah i guess that would happen in a world like that um anyway so that was just something there but then there's this so on kotaku there's an article how blade runner teaches bad japanese japanese table manners. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's totally true. Do you know? What yeah, I'm talking with about? the chopsticks and like rubbing them together. <laughs> yeah, I totally grew yeah. up doing that, and I didn't know why. And then, then like, like several years ago, I I heard that that's like bad manners, so I don't do that anymore. So that's pretty funny, yeah, because he very clearly like you know rubs the chopsticks together. So yeah. you're not supposed to do that. So people. yes, so that's a bad American thing. Yeah, and we bl- can blame it all on rude, Blade rude, Runner. rude. <laughs> He's he's a rude guy, so maybe maybe it is. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he don't, like, he don't, I don't care. trust these chopsticks. Yeah. They're gonna give me splits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but chopsticks are not made that way, guys. Right. Don't worry. So there's that. So that was kind of just like a funny, interesting. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Um, yeah, and then uh, so talking about yeah, like what? How are they even? having this food like where is this food coming from so there's this is just to touch on something that's kind of interesting um and we mentioned the word like futurists so this is like it's a thing where like there are people who and sometimes they um consult on movies and stuff too but people who project possible futures like that i don't know if i'm saying that right but like they they project possible like outcomes of like how the future will be for certain things mm-hmm. so um in the huffington post uh, f- well this was 2011 um they have an article called the blade runner cookbook but it's not really a, <laughs> uh, it's not really a cookbook but um so there's this project in la called the food print project um and part of that project is um thinking about urban futures deal with food like dealing with food uh, and how just how food will be done basically like how will what will people be eating and and all of that um and so it's and so blade runner was brought into the conversation like what is like is that food because we know that the animals are synthetic or you know are are being uh, manufactured right and, and so if there's this they're not probably not eating the, the animals so yeah so not a lot of meat and then like if there's like dust in the air and stuff and um it, it's they can't like grow produce very well i guess mm-hmm. yeah i don't know yeah they and they use the uh, so well i guess 
I'll just read a little bit. So no program has been announced yet for the Food Print Los Angeles event, but with the way that Ridley Scott's movie Blade Runner has had a profound effect on architects, artists, designers, and planners, it's possible that this event might include speculative urban food futures that are so strange they need to be evaluated using the tools of science fiction. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the scenario, so they talk about the scenario at the beginning of Blade Runner, um, that just about, like, the city services have pretty much broken down and the infrastructure is barely functioning, um, and so, yeah, animals are organic animatronic creatures, and, and then mention, like, bats growing body parts are shown, which I can only picture the, the eyeball, Chewie's eyeball place, um, (laughs) but anyway... So they're speculating that perhaps uh, food or meats, uh, meats-like substances are, like, grown in vats or something like that. So, and then, like, and, and that minerals and vitamins and vaccines and stuff are just, like, put into those foods to try to, like, help the population. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so that's, so it's just kind of an interesting thought and in that, so some people, so Blade Runner kind of, um fits into some people's theories about food futures or makes people think about like what if or I wonder what you know yeah but of course we know from the books that they went through like world war terrible <laughs> world war terminus so yeah so it's a pretty extreme time yeah but so, like a lot of stockpiling if, and so yeah the, fu- the future's yeah. all dried noodles and canned beans I yeah. guess so that's so that's just interesting that futurist food, urban food take. Um, for, no, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because I mean, cities yeah. are just going to keep growing, and so is the population. So, like, how do you feed these people? And with changing landscapes. Um, yeah, where and where does that take place? The yeah, the food cultivating and creation and or manufacture, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and then also there's this, the article on Cracked, uh, four weirdly specific things, movies. Oh, I love this. Food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you have the article? Yeah. Yeah. So there? do you want to talk about it? <laughs> well, the, the one that's relevant to this is all tough guys yeah. eat noodles and it gives yeah. lots of examples. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you already mentioned, um, uh, what is it? The fifth element. Oh, yeah, them, Bruce yeah. Willis eats it. There's um in Battlestar Galactica. There's some noodle eating, almost human. Yeah. Oh yeah, and almost yeah human. that you you yeah. talked about. So like all these movies have um, so yeah, it talks about the noodles first, and then it kind of follows up with like um like ch- Chinese food in general. Like always shows mm-hmm. up. Oh, that sorry, that was a different number. That's a different thing. What? Yeah. Oh, well, but it kind of tied together. together. I thought it was part of the same thing because yeah. they were so sim- similar. It says Chinese food signals that some serious shit is about to go down. <laughs> yeah, they kind of they do go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of works um, here too. The noodle, like noodle scene in Battlestar Battlestar Galactica, it's Edward James almost. Yeah, from this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of cool. It all comes. Oh, around yeah, again. full circle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's, it also mentions, yeah, Cowboy Bebop, (laughs) there's some noodle eating, yeah, (laughs) tough guys Um, eat noodles. Yeah, and then it talks about, yeah, the Asian food, more, like, Chinese food. Yeah. Yeah, so that, but that was just kind of funny, the noodles are tough and tough guys. Yeah, when it talks (laughs) about the, um, the Chinese food, and it gives, like, several examples, I was thinking more, like, 
there's always Chinese food in, like, either, like, business or law shows or movies, you know, like, whenever they're like, oh, we're gonna have to pull an all-nighter. Somebody order Chinese. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah, why why don't they just get pizza? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, but it's Chinese. Because it's kind of, like, fancier. Yeah, I guess, because I can think of, (laughs) more. I can think of, like, several, yeah, several examples of that, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we gotta work. Better, better get some Chinese food. So. Um, so on the, so I had some commentaries on, commentary tracks. Mm -hmm on um tracks and uh one of the ones i listened to one of the versions oh, okay. i listened to and uh, it was with the like set designers oh cool um, oh yeah and, and the they... sets were amazing yes, like it just had it. such a um yeah like such a feel to mm-hmm. it but anyway good, yeah super atmospheric. Yeah, yes atmospheric yeah. good good word um and but they're talking about so originally uh, one of the set designers was creating an elaborate tea room, and the idea was that Deckard would, like, look through the window, but that was scrapped, <laughs> and instead they created the it, the White Dragon noodle bar, but it was actually a trailer that they would just drive on to set and park. Oh, okay. And, like, and do the scene, so it was a like... A little food truck. <laughs> it's kind of like a food yeah. truck, I guess, yeah. Um, and then also, so the... It could also have been dim sum that was there, that maybe Deckard was like four, and then the guy was like no two, um, because one of the one of the set designers, um, I'm not sure if I'm using the right uh, title for them, but anyway, um, one guy was like, yeah, I took Ridley Scott like down the street to get something to eat and took him to like a dim sum place, and Ridley Scott had never had dim sum before. <laughs> And he, th- and he thought it was, like, he was really inspired like, wow, by it. Wow, this he, is but great. He thought it was, yeah, but, but he thought it was disgusting looking. <laughs> that he thought, so he thought it would be something that was perfect for the noodle bar. Aww. Like, but I don't know why, they, like, dim sum. I know, awesome. I was about to say, like, it's, it's, vi- so, but specifically, I guess really Scott was like, this is amazing, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Use it in the noodle bar, like I don't know the desperate food. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. So those are some like little behind the scene tidbits uh, about about that scene. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, and then the lots of alcohol. Oh my god! Because the next yeah, his, scene, his apartment is, is basically just like bottles everywhere. Yeah. Well, even at the police yeah, they station, have they have whiskey at the police Gafka's. Yeah, the police guy, Bryant, he just, like, pulls up. He's like, Meow. Yeah, that was very noir. <laughs> I try to get you back into the game here and pull out some al- some glasses from the <laughs> bottom yeah. of my desk. Yeah, so is that. Um, yeah, and then going back to the, the Voight-Kampf uh, mm-hmm. test, uh, one of the questions that uh, when Deckard visit, visits the Tyrell Corporation and he sits down um, to test out the machine on Rachel, like, he assumes that, see, they're asking just to make sure, well, because the Tyrell Corporation doesn't want the, um, the replicants to be killed, and in the book they make that more Mm -hmm. clear, but in the movie it's, they don't really have an agenda, um, but they want to make sure that the, the Voight-Kampf test doesn't accidentally cause a human to be yeah. killed in place of a replicant. 
Um, but they're really just playing games anyway, because Rachel is a replicant, but Decker doesn't know that in the beginning. Um, anyway, one of the questions is, that he asks her is, you're watching a stage play. A banquet is in progress. The guests are enjoying an appetizer of raw oysters. The entree consists of boiled dog. Yeah. <laughs> he could say duck, but I'm pretty sure he says dog. Well, yeah, I read in an article that it was dog, but I watched that scene twice because I kept thinking he said duck. So, I don't know. I Yeah, mm-hmm. I had trouble understanding <laughs> what he was saying. Yeah, I, I like for the, just because of what the test is for, it, it makes a lot of sense for him to say boiled right. dog. Right. Like, and, and because animal, like, he's talking about being in a really, like, high class, like, these are really rich people, um, and so they have a ton of money, and they're, ha- so they're, sp- like, splurging in and breaking the law, and, like, having raw oysters and having, like, real dog, boy, like, they're so extreme and extravagant and terrible, because we know that, like, animals are pretty much, like, sacred in the, Well, especially if you read the books, like, that they, they're, like, like, kind of yeah, priceless. Yeah, so you would never I eat mean, them. Do, they do have a price, but, yeah. And so that's why this is, like, a super extreme question for the white conf test. And that's when, like, you can see that Rachel is kind of troubled by it, and then it mm-hmm. fizzes out. Like, the, <laughs> the screen fizzes out. Anyway, and then he, that's when he knows that she's yeah. a replicant because of her reaction or something but yeah so gross, <laughs> but those questions <laughs> um yeah and then more alcohol when they get they're like at deckard's apartment he offers rachel a drink and then he <laughs> and then she cries and he cleans out a glass for her to drink and then she leaves that was kind of sad I, that seems, yeah 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 um yeah then we get into pris and jf yes. sebastian which in the book is, there's a J R is I can't remember the guy's name now. It's not Sebastian. But in, but apparently in the the later books they bring those two characters together. But in the movie you you get the vibe that he that Sebastian is based off of mm-hmm. this other character. So it's kind of weird that they would like put them together <laughs> in the in the books. So they're like, oh, hello, me. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, so, so Pris, she's, like, hiding in the garbage outside of Sebastian's house, just because that's her, the plan is that she will get inside of his house, um, and she's like, I'm hungry, JF, and he's like, I got stuff inside, wanna come in? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I was hoping you'd say that. So anyway, impending food. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I think he, he's hunting More down the, the first um, replicant who is like working at this bar. Yeah, Zora. Zora yeah, Zora. I forgot her name. In the book, she's an opera singer. Oh, okay. Well, in here, yeah. she's like a stripper. <laughs> so. Yeah. Taking <laughs> Gotta... pleasure from the snake or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in this bar, like, everybody has these like colorful, layered cocktails. So I guess that's futuristic or something. <laughs> yeah, it was like a martini. Are they martini glasses? What are those? The glasses with the wide. They're like kind of. They look like little upside down flying oh, saucers or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember what the glasses mar- look like. Martini glasses. Yeah, but it. But yeah, it had meal like mealworms in it. Oh, I didn't see that. Do you remember no. the scene? So he like 
Yeah, so Taffy Lewis is like, get the this man is dry, give him one on the house, because it's his bar in Sector 4, and, and then Deckard, like, after he gets off the phone with, um, the vid phone, I guess, with Rachel, and she's like, I don't want to go. Yeah, that part that. cracked then, me out, like I said, that, <laughs> yeah, he sits down, they're like, here's what yeah. we conceive of phones in the future. <laughs> And it's still like, yeah. it's still like they're a pay Skyping. phone, but there's a video. <laughs> yeah, it's just Skyping. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's FaceTime but... on, this, yeah, on, the, yeah. on the house phone. That's where Apple got the idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was like a gold, some kind of gold alcohol with the head, but, but there were like mealworms in it, because he's sitting down, and then he like, so he drinks it, and then he pulls Aww. one out of his mouth. And, like, throws it down, and then he turns to, like, see Zora or whatever to, like, do your snake thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, and then there's, like, some Budweiser signs in the background along with the Coke Yeah, yeah, there's lots and lots of product (laughs) placement in this movie. And, um... Product placement. And most of them are still around, you know, so there's, like, Coke and Budweiser. But there was also Atari, which I got a kick out of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. And then... Oh, yeah, and then there's, like, the special bottle, the the forgetting liquid. I don't know what, like, he gets a special bottle of, like, clear liquid after he shoots the, shoots the snake lady, um, Zora, and then he gets beat up by the other guy, and then Rachel shoots the other guy in the head, like, the replicant guy. Um, anyway, but then he, he, like, gets this clear bottle of something, but it was kind of a cool visual because, so he's back in his apartment with Rachel, and then he has this tiny little shot glass that he puts some of that, uh, I don't know if it's vodka or something, but like he, so he's, he drinks it, but because he'd gotten beat up, um, like he takes a drink and then some of the blood kind of comes Ugh. out into the drink, but it comes out and it just looks kind of cool though. The imagery, because of the, it's like the light is behind it. So we can see the, I mean, yeah. I guess the shot was set up that way. So we could see that, that effect, but, um, it's just kind of. The red just kind of like drifts down into the liquid. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, and then that stupid sex scene or whatever foreplay scene. I did not. Yeah, that. that was pretty messed up. Yeah, it's like I'm the tough guy. I ate my noodles, so let me like force you to yeah. have sex with me or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that really came off the way that yeah. Scott wanted it to. Or maybe maybe he is, like, thinking of it a certain way in his mind and that's what he got out of it, but like, as a female viewer, at least. Yeah, I don't like, think that oh, scene would have flown no. nowadays. <laughs> I think we're a little bit more sensitive yeah, that to... Was like, yeah, that's not yeah. sexy Forceful at all. Like, I don't... Rapey. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, and then also, how did her hair get so amazingly curly? Her hair was awesome. Yeah, like super awesome. But it's like, but it's like it was very slick and like elegant or whatever. Yeah, like very super put together. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like she she like pulled a cord and it like inflate. I don't know. So that was kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, and then, so back to Sebastian. How about some breakfast? I was just going to make some. And because Roy Batty comes in and he and Pris start kissing. Mm, so poor Sebastian, like, feels awkward. Yeah. And then it's the eggs. Yeah. So in the future, we're going to have these, like, 
uh, glass boiler things. Where did that... the eggs come from? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's got some pet chickens. <laughs> yeah. That would <laughs> that be an awesome care. animal to have in a situation. Yeah, like yeah. That, that would yeah. be super useful. Um, yeah, so he, he's got a bunch of eggs and he's boiling them in this glass thing. Um, like a cylinder, yeah. Yeah, which in one of these, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it other than, oh, these are for breakfast. And then, you know, of course, what's-her-face Pris reaches in and grabs them and doesn't burn her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but... One of the articles was saying that's a symbol, a symbol of life, you know. Yeah, the egg. So that, yeah, so that kind of fits in with the theme of the movie. Yeah, so she did that in order to prove, like, to show Sebastian that she's a replicant. And then that reminds me, earlier in the film, one of the guy replicants sticks his hand in the super cold... Um, container and pulls out an eyeball. When, oh, when that's two, right. That's right. Two was making, and He's like that's my eye. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good party idea. Is yeah, the j- jelly eyeballs. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we'll put a, res- a link to that recipe. <laughs> like eyeball ice cubes. Yeah, but so that was kind of interesting. It's like the the two reveals that they are replicants and one was like icy water and the other one was like boiling water yeah replicants are okay with extreme temps yeah um yeah and then she like tosses it to sebastian and then he he drops it because it's super hot um and then she like gets a plate in the from the kitchen area and she's she like eats these red dangling bits of something with her fingers. Yeah, with she her pulls fingers, this plate like... this plate out of the fridge and she's like munching on something. I couldn't tell what it was. Yeah, but it kind but of yeah, like some... it was like red and it like dang- dangled a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Maybe it's like a super soft carrot or something. Maybe. <laughs> One of those red ones. Yeah. I don't know. And then Sebastian uh, and Tyrell, the head of the Tyrell Corporation, they had like this chess game going. Which mm-hmm. uh, really Scott actually did uh, research into like I don't know some some like super historic chess game and so that's how they laid out the board. Oh, um, yeah. Um, and so there's attention this, to detail. Yeah. So there's a scene where um, because the replicants want to get an audience with Tyrell, uh, and so they use that was a whole point of them um, getting in with Sebastian. So Sebastian's taking them. Or taking Batty, anyway, Rutger Howard's character. And um, the pretense is to work on the chess game. And so mm-hmm. they're, um, like, saying it, like, uh, Sebastian's in the in the elevator going up to the Tyrell Corporation, but um, he's talking to Tyrell through Intercom. And then Tyrell is like, he's, I think he says, like, got a brain malfunction, Sebastian? He says, got a brain something, Sebastian. Milk and cookies keep you awake? Huh? Yeah, milk and cookies <laughs> yeah. kept you awake, Let's yeah. discuss this. You better come up. And then, yeah. And then the gross killing scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the end for food. Yep. That's yeah. all I had, too. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, and pretty much just, like, in, in the book, there's, like, one scene... I mean, there's, like, coffee mentioned and stuff, but uh, for a kind of a more uh, noteworthy scene is when the Sebastian character, (laughs) that I can't remember his name, um, so he's with Pris, but he brings her... He's like, oh, wow, uh, a girl. (laughs) I'm interacting with a girl. (laughs) And so he, like, gets out from his like safety deposit box this 
Chablis. C H A B L I S. Chablis. Chablis wine. Yeah. Because um, he he was saving that for, but it's like super rare, and like people wanted to buy it from him and stuff. But he's like, no, I might meet a girl someday. <laughs> so, so saving anyways, this. So saving this for when goes off to work, and then he's gonna come home to Pris and like. But anyway, but peaches. So um, he stopped off at the black market grocery store, and on the seat beside him, a bag of such delicacies as bean curd, ripe peaches, good, soft, evil-smelling cheese. <laughs> yeah, I like, kind of like that description. And yeah. then the Chablis. Um, and so there are these scenes. So he ha- he brings them home, and then Chris, she's like, I'll try a slice of peach. And Gingerly picked out a slippery pink-orange furry slice with her long fingers. And then as she ate the slice of peach, she began to cry. But, like, she's not crying because it's like, oh, peach, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why she cries. She's just, like, manipulating him. Maybe that's what she was then, eating out of the fridge. Maybe it's, like, oh, yeah. peach slices. But, yeah, like, really thin, yeah. dangly peach slices. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then she's like, what's the stuff? And so, What's the white stuff? Not the cheese. And then she's talking about the bean, bean curd. curd. He's like, made, made from soybean whey. I wish I had some. He broke off flushing. It used to be eaten with beef gravy. So, <laughs> peaches and soybean whey with beef gravy. That's what he wishes he had. And then, yeah. So, anyway, and then evil smelling cheese. <laughs> and then, yeah, then there's some wine. And then there's... Um, yeah, bourbon and coffee. Yeah, that's that's so that's pretty much it for. But yeah, peach. So peaches. If you're ever gonna have like a Blade Runner <laughs> party or something. Yeah. Oh, Isadore. You can Isadore eat peaches is and name. cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eat peaches and cry. Yeah. So that's that. Nice. So let's talk about our let's food. Let's do it. You go. For okay. It. Well, I'll go for it first because. I made something yeah. from the movie, but I can't wait to talk about yours because yours are so cute and such a good idea. Like I was so excited <laughs> when you, um, yeah, came up with that. But anyway, oh, so thanks. since the like noodle scene, I feel like was the most prominent food scene in the movie. I went for that, but unlike the movie where it seems like he just has a bowl of plain noodles, um, I use this as an opportunity to make something I've been wanting to try for a long time, which is the um. The Momofuku um, scallion ginger sauce or whatever. Ooh. Yeah, like, I, so I've heard this stuff is amazing and I had wanted to make it for a long time. And yeah, it turns out it's pretty good. Um, so I made that and then I made a bunch of other little goodies to go in my bowl. I made some like um, quick pickled cucumbers. I made some um, carrot kinpiri, which is um, like little matchstick carrots cooked in sesame oil and sprinkled with um, sesame seeds. And then I just made some sautéed um, garlic mushrooms and some hard-boiled egg. And so just made like a bunch of little dishes and put them on top of my ramen bowl. And oh it was goodness. good. <laughs> I can't wait to see a picture of that. You can look on my Instagram. I already put up a picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Let me see. I'm going there now. It's not even a sneak peek. It's like <laughs> the final product. <laughs> yeah. So there was no, there was no noodle. There were no noodles in the book, and so the the speculation is that it was just to drive the point home. Well, you said there of, wasn't like the the in the, the Asian undertone. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it was like to to put that. Oh my gosh! I'm like on Instagram and I'm typing in noodles <laughs> instead. Of, <laughs> 
Instead Mine's of the number you. one post for noodles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I mean, wait, did I already like it? No, I didn't. Yay. Oh, <laughs> so pretty. It's like the neon yeah. lights. It's all these nice Yeah, I, do, I specifically chose yeah, different <laughs> things that would look pretty. Because you eat first with your eyes. Yeah. yeah, you do. Oh, and if I have not imparted my perfect egg technique, which I'm in love with, Time. I've improved it even more. So I read this like really detailed article on the kitchen about how, how to make um, boiled eggs without that like awful gray ring. But now I do one step further, which is when they're done cooking, I dunk them in an ice bath. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I do, like, seven-minute eggs in a nice bath. Nice. Yeah. And my husband thinks those are undercooked, but I think they are perfect. Well, everybody has preference, and also, like, if it's a ramen dish, usually they're even, like, a little bit Yeah. Ramen, so. And actually, I, the, this ramen yeah, bowl depends. is, like, a dry bowl, so it doesn't have, like, broth or anything. It's just the noodles, mm -hmm. and then, um, yeah, all the little veggie dishes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when your annoying um, Blade Runner chief calls you in under the pretense that's of that's right, you can just take your bowl to go. Just get a little paper, yeah. Just get a little paper cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a little paper triangle or something. And then just just yeah. put the noodles in. And so, yeah, this is a good dish. Should be good for a lunchbox because, um, like, you make it hot, obviously, yeah, but like it'd be yeah. good hot, cold, or room temp. Yeah. So pretty flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So let's talk. Let's talk about oh, yours. Because like yours are so cute. I saw a picture of them already. <laughs> yeah. So there are different ways you can make it, um, but I wanted to go for. Okay. Anyway, so like edible origami. I guess that's what. I, that's what I should lead with. Um, so yeah. So Gaff, um, Edward James Almost's character, he's like always making these little origami things, and it's so funny. Like, so I did post a picture on Instagram, and I kind of like wrote a little something with it but like I totally used to do that as a kid <laughs> like I was I was like a little origami master Ooh. no I'm I mean no there really are origami masters and I was not that level but anyway but I love doing origami like I haven't done it for years and years and years but I was like I would make origami uh, like mobiles and things like that and enter them into county fairs and I mean like or like as gifts oh, I would cool. make little origami some things and like to hang up and give them to people or but or I, when we were out and about like I would leave I would make like a tiny origami shrimp or a little crane or something and just like leave it put it with the tip that my parents would leave or something you know like just <laughs> just like this random it's like origami <laughs> Everyone have something. Um, so, uh, but I never made edible origami. Um, so I used wonton wrappers. I love this concept. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did really simple. Like I made a couple of cranes, um, but really I went with the pigeon, which was, that's like, a lot simpler. That's like the thing, the fold that my mom taught me when I was like three. So, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, so it's very easy. No, I mean, it's, it's this really is a easy. level one folding pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, also because you're working with. Yeah, I didn't see any unicorns. terrible. Yeah, no unicorns. <laughs> um, but I mean, there is edible paper. I don't know how easy that would be to fold like origami. 
Um, but you know, maybe someday I'll try. I haven't, I don't know how much it costs like to order it on Amazon or something, but so in the place of that, <laughs> just do something <laughs> sim- simple with, um, wonton wrappers. So yeah. So then you, um, deep fry them. So you fold them and then deep fry them just, uh, quickly because you don't want them to get too brown. Um, you yeah. can, some people have done like cook things, cook things like that in the microwave, but I would say no. What? <laughs> Because, yeah, the taste is different, and it very easily can, like, burn and Yeah, I'm, thro- I'm throwing shade on this uh, concept. Yeah, just weird. totally deep fry it. Don't be afraid. Yeah, go for um, it. So, yeah, yeah did, and- did you have trouble um, getting them to keep their shape? Yeah, so, like, once you put them in the deep fryer... Um, like, cause it'll just like float around and stuff. And so it might billow up a little bit. So like the folds might come apart or it might like, yeah, just kind of solidify wonky or something. <laughs> and so I had to kind of like hold it at the top. Like if it was the crane kind of like, I know it's like, you shouldn't get your fingers this close, but <laughs> so like boiling oil. Um, yeah, but, if you were um, pressed, you could just reach right in and... <laughs> I know! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where's my replicant? Right. If I, if I went off-world, I would get one Yeah, you need free. a replicant sous chef. Yeah. Um, and so... So, yeah. So, I just... So, I, after a few attempts, it was kind of like trial and error. So, then, yeah, you just kind of, like, lower it gently on, you know, on a spoon, you know, a... Um, deep fry worthy uh, spoon. Yeah. And, <laughs> one that's not um, gonna melt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you got. It's not a spoon, but like a, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, like one of those like str- <laughs> thing. strainer things. The strainer thing. Yeah. yeah. I have like a silicone thing, but um, yeah, yeah, and so um, and then, but it's like, well, I mean, just that could be my recipe, but um, there's something that I used to make I feel like I made it, like, all the time for, like, all of the, like, if I ever had, um, some kind of, like, activity or something to go to where you're supposed to bring food, um, like, it's these little wonton stars, like, that's what I call them, but, um, you take a wonton wrapper and carefully put the wrappers into mini muffin tin, and then you bake them so that they form these little cups but you only bake them for a few minutes uh and then what you what works really well is when you still have your hot oil um just kind of lower them just a little bit so their bottoms can get a little crispy Mm -hmm. because otherwise if you just bake them they're still like they're kind of a little bit chewy yeah not really yeah um and so i found that just kind of heating up or cooking the bottoms in the oil for just a couple seconds it'll make them kind of bubble up and get that just that really nice crunch um and so put them back in the pan and then you make a filling um typically the filling is like cheese and ranch and like diced ham or um crumbled sausage and then like peppers like green bell pepper red bell pepper and and that kind of thing um but for this, I'm like, oh yeah, the noodles, right? Like, let's try to make it a little bit more Asian. <laughs> and so I got some um, shirataki noodles, and and then also the still the bell peppers, um, and then some like little tiny shrimp, like little salad shrimp. 
and also some um, shiitake mushrooms. Anyway, so just like made a little filling nice. with those and put them in and then you uh, bake it a little bit just to like warm it up and then I put some wasabi mayo and yum yum sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was like the pink, the reddish pink sauce. Um, anyway, so just um, kind of drizzled those on the top and then sprinkled some sesame seeds and then um, put the the origami uh, animals, well, I, birds in, in my case that I made, um, and just set them on top. So it's kind of like a little nest. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Very so, cool. so many words. But anyway, that's what... <laughs> That's what I mean. I like it. But yeah, so the filling, you know, you could just really do whatever you want for the filling. Um, yeah. No, I like that you did, like, an Asian-inspired one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They look so cute. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and there's really, yeah, but, but really you could just go the, just do the topping, like the, the origami um, animals. Or you could make, like, the, what, the samurai helmet? <laughs> the hat that's, like, the one that I'll Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that that has anything to do with it. <laughs> the film but yeah yeah Yeah, but I like this technique in general it's pretty cute yeah I kind of want to just explore that more um I did get some uh, the larger with like the spring roll wrappers so I should like try to make some really large (laughs) I should make like a really big crane (laughs) or something (laughs) see how that goes yeah good luck yeah okay it's a challenge you need a big big fryer I don't know if it'll fit in the fryer (laughs) Yeah. So that was that nice. Was yeah, I don't. I think we've pretty much covered everything. Um, there was just something to mention. Um, there's just speaking of cyberpunk. Apparently, there's a Netflix show in the works called Altered Carbon. That it's like it's cyberpunk, um, and it's based on a book by Richard K. Morgan. So that's oh, just okay. something to like, keep, keep your eyes, eyes out for. Yeah, and then um, shows that are on right now. Uh, Continuum, uh, that's, has cyberpunk elements, and then Mr. Robot, kind like, it kind of, it's modern day, but, like, it kind of has a little bit of cyberpunk, um, and then The Expanse on sci-fi, that has, um, cyberpunk elements and the, like, film noir-esque, like, detective guy, so... Yeah, and sadly, Almost Human was canceled after the first season, which that was like the one show that I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> bring to, it like, back, back save our show. I really, yeah, that was a really good show. But you can watch that on um, CW Seed, the CW Seed app. Um, yeah, and then Firefly, of course, that had a lot of um, cyberpunk. Well, just the Asian um, aspect, like Asian future influences. But yeah. Anyway, so it's just some things to. Keep your eye out for it. And then, of course, keep your eye out for updates on the yeah. Number 2 movie. Yeah. Coming in 2019. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I think they keep pushing it back. Well, like, it might be 2017. Yeah. It might be 2019. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and then, and then keep your eye out for Ghost in the Shell and Battle Angel Alita. Battle Angel Alita, which is based on a manga called Gunnam. Anyway, that, like, that was a big part of my, like, teenage years. I had, like, all the graphic novels. I loved it. So, but... Oh, know, cool. Who knows how it's going to turn into an American movie. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. We'll see. Oh, one thing. Um, We did mention a few episodes back, and then I think we 
forgot to keep this up, that we're going to start announcing the next, uh, yeah, like the upcoming um, episodes so that if you guys are interested, you can get on board and, you know, read or watch or whatever what we're doing. So our next couple that are coming up, um, next time we'll be talking about Amelie. And after that, we're doing Pippi Longstocking. Yeah, Pippi Longstocking's come into your world. Okay. <laughs> I was singing that earlier today. When oh, I was were you? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to sing on the podcast, though. That's your territory. <laughs> <laughs> singing poorly on the podcast. Yeah. I'm telling you, one of these days I am going to make a super cut. <laughs> <laughs> I know I mentioned that like every time. But anyway, yeah, so those are upcoming episodes. Amelie and Pippi Longstocking. Um, we'll post our recipes as well as we've got a bunch of interesting links for this one, so we'll put those all on the website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Yep, and you can find us on Twitter at FKPod and also Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Fiction Kitchen Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.